Good morrow on this Sunday. This is Zachary Ferguson. And to my right is my brother, Sam Ferguson. And we are... Whoa, 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 whoa. Two thumbs undecided. Huh? But don't you dare whoa. introduce me. Oh my. We are co-hosts. Also, to go back on what you just said, good morrow means... Good, good tomorrow. Yeah. No, look. Wait, Sam, wait, no. I got that wrong. No, you Sam, were right. You I, were right. I, I will say I, I did feel a little strange about to uh, introducing you. Uh, yeah, it so just it is... felt right. It just felt right. Oh, I don't like that. It sounds like you you're surp usurping me. Well, I mean, no, much like it, Napoleon. No, it's just like 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 an SNL person. They don't go like, "Hello, this is Saturday night, and tonight we have." All right, James Franco, come on. Yeah. Say something. Ugh. Hey, it's Franco. He's been on SNL. But anyways, I've... introduce yourself then. My name is Sam Ferguson. I am the co-host, uh, co-founder, co-thumb, and um, this is Two Thumbs Undecided. Yeah. Uh, we talk about media. We talk about uh, movies, TV. I think media really spread, does the spread. Media does the spread, definitely. And here, here's the great thing. We don't have any commercial people, like, uh, attached to our name. So uh, we can go after anybody or praise anybody uh, we want. So <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you know, Google, they got nothing on us. Well, they might be a sponsor. Who knows? Here's the thing. I, I like Google. So. Speaking of um, sponsors, we started a uh, Patreon account a week ago with some exclusive content yes. and with some pretty fun tears. Um, um, and, and you know what? If you, yeah, people... From something as low as five bucks a month. What are you doing with five bucks a month? Saving I mean, it I guess, during the quarantine? Yeah, like, what are you, what are you a dragon with your, with your hoarding your gold? Sam and, um, I, Sam and I discussed over a Zoom meeting. We said, what is the best possible time to create a Patreon account? And yeah. I said... Quar, and then Sam said in, and then I said pine. And we looked. And then we thought the we we didn't we know what that meant. Mm -hmm. And then we assumed we meant uh, uh, pandemic. Pandemic. Oh no, I was thinking you were saying Clementine. Yeah. Uh, so I was just like during a Clementine season. Like when is that? What did I? And then I was like, Sam, you silly man, you. Yeah, I didn't know what a quarantine was back then. Oh. But um no, but uh, yeah. So if you guys want to check out the, the the Patreon account, I should do more promotions on For the Instagram. Well, like, I was actually about to say, do the the create ad button. Yeah. Well, um, another thing is, is uh, we're sponsored by Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you very yeah. much, Radio Free Brooklyn, for giving us a platform to speak upon. Yeah. Uh, which most we're not really sponsored by them. We're more just produced by them. Yeah, but they're, like they're co-producers. I always find the one thing I hate in movies is when the characters don't stop in the middle of the movie and go, "I just want to give a big shout out to uh, to um, the uh, trying to think of a production company, but the only one I'm coming up with is the Weinstein's." Wow, <laughs> I'm just I'm just sorry. This is horrible. Uh, the, Magnolia Pictures. Thank you so much, Matt. Yeah. So imagine like um, Daniel Playfield from There Will Be Blood is just like, I drink your milkshake. No, I just want to uh, 
give a big shout out to Magnolia Pictures. Uh, Paul Dano, do you have something to say? Yeah, I think they're real great. <laughs> Why is he Mickey Mouse? Uh, well, yeah. he has kind of a high pitched voice. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> we have a great episode for you guys. We're popping off a hundo. Um, popping up. Uh, is it popping off a hundo or is it just like we're starting the new hundo? We're starting the new hundo, I guess. Um, by the way, this is like, the 100th and first episode. I, by the I, way, what? I said this before. We shouldn't really say hundo or hun- popping right. off a hundo. That is been used so many times on scott ackerman's comedy bang bang all right so we're starting a new hundred um we'll come up with something funny whatever i don't care we'll do it for the next 201 flipping off another hundy hundy sure um so we're starting a new hundred uh if you guys didn't listen to our last episode the hundredth episode spectacular uh to say it was anything less than spectacular would be false advertisement so, so I'm not going to say that. Um, it was spectacular. We had the real, genuine Scorsese come on. Uh, and we had um, Spielberg come on. We had uh, some other people. Also, it's getting really hot, so I'm going to take off this sweater. Keep talking, Zach. Okay, wow. Um, we, had, we had such guests like Clarence. Uh, you can listen to the episode. It was a great episode. We had a lot of fun guests. But you know what? You know who's more dear and dear to my heart than Scorsese or Spielberg? Yes, that's right. The new, um, at least new in our lifetimes, Criterion Collection, a.k.a. also Criterion Channel. And I love the Criterion Channel. I can't, you know, some people say like, oh, you're just being endorsed by them or something. No, I literally love Criterion Channel and Criterion Collection. Some may say I'm a I'm a I'm a whore whore for okay. Criterion. I love it. I love it so much. And you know it's funny is people are gonna hear this and there'll be like people maybe from Criterion Channel. I just want to say I am all in. Yeah. Uh, did you say your name yet? Uh, I haven't. So uh, I was we're, up we to it. we interviewed uh, Penelope uh, Bartlett. Sam, why do you? I don't have know why I keep on wanting to say Bartlett. It Bartlett. looks like Bartlett. Yeah, yeah. If so it looks like be... Bartlett and it sounds like Bartlett, it must be Bartlett. All right, so it's Penelope Bartlett. Bartlett. Uh, she's a programmer uh, for the um, Criterion Channel. She started out as Filmstruck. You guys remember Filmstruck? Um, it went out of business two years ago, but it was the original house for all Criterion films. Um, and they transitioned over to Criterion Channel afterwards. Mm-hmm. And this is their year anniversary. Well, April 8th was their year anniversary. Um, but uh, they, I'm sure, will have years and years and years more curating. It was a great conversation. We'll be playing that um, in about th- two minutes. Um, but yeah, uh, you get to hear Zach say some pretty strange questions comparing things to Bill Gates on LSD. Well, they'll, um, they'll hear it. They'll hear it. They'll, they'll hear it. They'll and hear it. Also, Sam says stuff. I say some great questions. I, yeah. um, and Zach tries to twist some of the questions to make it more entertaining, I guess. But not I entertaining, know. but like pop. Pop. All right. Anyways, uh, this is that interview. It is. It's. It was a really great interview. Uh, and uh, yeah, enjoy. 
we have an amazing guest. We have Penelope Bartlett is here. Uh, she is a programmer for the Criterion Channel, which is just recently celebrated its uh, one year anniversary. Uh, congratulations on that. Very nice. Um, Thank you so much. I saw that uh, earlier, Werner, uh, Werner Herzog said that this was the one streaming channel that he actually uh, he uses. I was wondering what that, how that made you feel whenever you saw that the great <laughs> Werner Herzog said this was his favorite streaming channel. Oh, that was great. Was that so that was a while back, right? When he was doing publicity for the Mandalorian. Yeah, for the Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was awesome. Obviously, we're big fans. And I think we had a big collection of his films up at that time as well. So yeah, that was yeah. kind of nice little bit of cross promotion. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of a lot of filmmakers really love the service and they love being able to go back and revisit some of the films that have really influenced them over the years and recommend them to people. And even in, in you know, this moment of quarantine, we have filmmakers like Guillermo del Toro and Edgar Wright, who and Sofia Coppola, who are talking about the service a lot on social media and giving people viewing recommendations. Edgar Wright's been curating double features with films on the channel. Um, so it's really, it's really amazing the, the caliber of people who will come out and talk about how much they love the service. It's really wonderful. Yeah, I'm I mean, really appreciating oh, actually the, uh, the Criterion Channel newsletter. Uh, oh, great. I, I was seeing that uh, what Wes Anderson is watching during his, his quarantine. It seems like that's all he's doing is watching the Criterion uh, Channel. And yeah, so probably like, while wearing a really beautiful silk bathrobe or something. Exactly. <laughs> Blank, you know, blue background, you know, with the like monocolored. Uh... Always in his own world, his own <laughs> film world. Um, yeah, completely. Uh, so before we talk about the Criterion channel, which is what most we will be talking about, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your career trajectory and how you became a programmer for the uh, Criterion channel. It's kind of seems like it's very, it's a new position being a streaming programmer. Um, so I, I'm really interested in how you started and how you became, you got this position. Yeah, that's a great question. And definitely the position that I have at the Criterion Collection didn't exist before I, you know, started working there. Um, and so my background was really in uh, film festival programming. I mean, I studied film a long time ago at this point in Scotland, in Glasgow. Um, and then I worked for a while for an art house cinema, um, a really great art house cinema in Glasgow that was kind of where I got my formative um, education in, um, in film history and art house film. Um, but from that, I moved into programming for film festivals. So for a long time, I was more immersed in contemporary cinema. So I was a programmer watching lots of submissions and new films every year and making decisions about which films would eventually be programmed in the festival. Um, so I did that for, for quite a while, uh, which is a really fun but sort of exhausting, draining job. Um, and I think the first uh, step that I took into the sort of digital realm was I started to program short films for a website called The Short of the Week. Um, and I really, it's, it's still around, it's a great source for short films. And I really enjoyed that. And I just thought that 
perhaps the digital space was the next sort of exciting place that people were going to be able to encounter cinema. Uh, so I did start to look for opportunities for interesting new services and that was around the time that Fandor started and Mubi mm. and there were more and more of these really interesting seeming digital streaming platforms that actually really showcased interesting, exciting new contemporary cinema, but also art house classics. Mm -hmm. um, and so when I found out about Filmstruck, which was the initial service that Criterion was launching, I was really excited about that possibility. Um, so when I started with Criterion, I was actually right before Filmstruck launched. Um, so I was the programmer for two years for the platform Filmstruck. Then that platform was discontinued. So then mm -hmm. we moved over to launching our own streaming service, the Criterion Channel. It's kind of a nutshell version. <laughs> I remember yeah. when Filmstruck came out and I, I was like, what is this new thing? And then I saw that it was going to have all the uh, the Criterion channel, I mean, all the Criterion collection on it. I was, I immediately subscribed to it. Um, yeah, it was a nice marriage of the Turner Classic Movies brand and the Criterion brand. So the best of classic Hollywood with the best of international world cinema right uh there was a uh a, a tweet that you did back when you were still working for filmstruck uh and you posted these are the four films that define me i was wondering if these still uh stood up they were it was the thin man um <laughs> i'm actually terrified to hear what you're gonna say i have no memory of what i posted that's probably yeah i'm, I'm interested uh the uh with neil and i gray gardens and <laughs> i know where i'm Armageddon. going Oh no! And no, if um, Armageddon is one, I don't know. So but yeah, I know where I'm going was the last one. I know where I'm going definitely is one of my all-time favorite films, and it always, you know, like I mentioned, but I grew up in Scotland, and I have mm -hmm. a, a lot of affection for Scotland and Scottish islands, so definitely. Um, with Null and I, I just think is hilarious. Um, the Thin Man, I really like a martini. Um, what was the last one? Grey Gardens. Grey that, Gardens might have yeah. been, that might have been a little tongue-in-cheek. I hope that doesn't really speak to my actual life that much, but it is one of my favorite movies and I love it dearly. So yeah, I think, yeah, still, yeah, those still stand. Still good choices. Um, and uh, the, I was, I'm interested about the transition from uh, Filmstruck to Criterion Channel. If there's things that you learned about Filmstruck that you, you adjusted and what, what you changed from transitioning uh, from Filmstruck to the Criterion Channel. I think we really had a wonderful opportunity with Filmstruck because we we kind of figured out what people liked and what people responded well to. And I think that Filmstruck was an amazing service and we were able to carry a lot of those lessons over to the Criterion channel. Uh, so one of the things that we really wanted to make clear when we launched the Criterion channel was that it wasn't just going to be the streaming home of the Criterion collection, but that it was also going to be a great source for classic Hollywood cinema and mm -hmm. contemporary cinema and short films and all these things that you were able to find on Filmstruck that you, that are not necessarily associated with the Criterion brand. Um, so in a way we were really just picking up where Filmstruck left off and trying to offer the, a service for movie lovers. So whether you're a person who loves silent films or classic films from the thirties and forties or American cinema from the seventies, or, you know, if you're just really into watching new art house films, um, mm. there should be something for you there should be something for everyone on the service. Um, and I think that one of the things that we 
perhaps changed a little bit with uh, the transition is I think there is more contemporary film on the Criterion channel than there was on Filmstruck. Uh, one of the things that we've been doing is um, working with uh, independent distributors to offer streaming premieres. So sometimes a film will have just been in theaters and it'll come to the Criter Criterion channel shortly after, something like uh, Begon's film Long Day's Journey in Tonight, for example. Uh, so I think there is, there's a little bit more representation for contemporary cinema, but I think a lot of what Filmstruck did was just completely brilliant and inspired and the people at TCM are amazing. So, you know, we're very lucky to get to work with them and to get to, to learn a lot from, from their expertise and then to carry a lot of those lessons over to the Criterion Channel. On that point, I had never seen the movie uh, Shaft uh, before <laughs> and... Uh, I, I saw it was on the Criterion channel. I was like, if, if it's on the Criterion channel, I should watch it. What, a, what an interesting movie. <laughs> a lot of uh, Yeah, I, th I, think, I think there is, um, no, it's interesting that people really take that Criterion stamp of quality really, really seriously. So for example, one series that we did last October uh, was a series of films by Herschel Gordon-Lewis. So this, He's called the godfather of gore. His films are these crazy, gory, exploitation, low budget horror films. And a lot of people were kind of shocked. Like I never would have thought I would have seen the criterion, you know, stamp of approval on these films. But I think we really try to be quite omnivorous and open-minded and not snobby about what's important cinema and to really foreground things that are unexpected. Um, and those that might be things that we would release in our physical media line, they might not be, but the channel really allows us to bring in such a broad range of options for people. Um, so yeah, it's interesting to hear you say, oh, well, if it's an, on Criterion, then it must be good, which certainly it, it is, but, and Shaft is fantastic. I love that movie and that whole 70s collection is so fun. Um, but, but yeah, I think we're, we're able to kind of cast a broader net as well with the channel. Right, I could be watching Dark Star one day and then maybe Age of Innocence another day. Um, That's but, a perfect double feature. <laughs> exactly. Oh, um, when, when you are uh, choosing your films, uh, what uh, do you personally, what are you trying to think needs to have a, a bigger spotlight uh, on like time periods, people, places uh, that a lot of people haven't really heard about. Like the uh, person you just mentioned, the father of gore, I've never <laughs> heard of this person. And I got to tell you, I am definitely going to be watching some of <laughs> So if you can just uh, uh, highlight on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, historically there's been certain countries that have been really perhaps overrepresented or well-represented um, in terms of those films being shown, those films being written about, obvious examples being France, Italy, Japan, all countries with amazing, rich cinematic histories, so very well deserved. But, you know, of course, it's nice for us to be able to bring more, more light to countries that perhaps haven't necessarily had, don't have such a long history of cinema, but have a really interesting recent history of cinema. So, you know, I would love to do a program around films from Southeast Asia, for example. You know, we've, we've done a program of films by Apichapong Wirasakul, but it would be great to be able to show more films from that region. You know, I'm a big fan of Eastern European cinema, Romanian cinema. I would love to do some programming around those regions. But really, I think that, um, 
there's there's just infinite possibilities and it's certainly not me doing all this programming often we're reaching out to people who are experts in certain areas and bringing them in to have really sort of tailored curated expertise um certainly experimental film i think has traditionally been harder to see um and we have a program coming up in may which i'm really excited about which is a program that was at the metrograph cinema last year and it's called tell me and it's all films by women filmmakers about women's stories um, and a lot of those films are experimental films films that have been films that are represented by small distributors or have never had distribution and there's just not been that many opportunities to see those films um, the series is programmed by a woman named nelly killian and she's just brought together this fascinating collection of movies that i think would be really really hard to see anywhere else and of course because it was a, a program that played at a theater in new york it was available for people who live here to see at one point but i love the idea that we can bring it to the whole country through the channel. Yeah, Metrograph is one of my favorite theaters in, in New York City. <laughs> Metrograph um, is pretty great. I love Metrograph. Um, you touched on this slightly uh, about how, well, I was seeing in a previous interview how you talked about one of the goals of uh, the Criterion Channel is to uh, reframe these traditional narratives of cinema. Um, and I mean, the collections are a perfect example of this. Uh, you do it with, um, kind of what we were talking before, some of these uh, countries and places that you wouldn't really be talked about, like the Colombian New War. And I was wondering if you could tell it in your words, uh, why you think it's so important to be reframing the, the classic cinematic narrative? Oof, that's a loaded question. <laughs> well, I think, you know, we just, we can clearly see that the, the canon has been shaped by essentially straight, white men for a very long time and people are suddenly realizing that that's not really okay and that that's completely shaped what has been seen and what has won awards and what has been restored and what has been made available to us and i think people are just going back and realizing that there's almost this alternate canon that runs alongside the one that we know and that there's so many undiscovered brilliant films out there that just never were given the exposure that they deserved um, and so many voices that deserve to be heard. Um, and I think it's wonderful that that moment is finally happening. And I think with the channel being the, the way that it operates allows us to be quite nimble and to, to bring these films in, gather these films in and give them a platform in a way that we weren't necessarily able to do when Criterion was just a, a disc physical media company. And in a time when people have to uh, stay at home, you know, and aren't bombarded with all these other, say, the, the Disney movie, you know, the blockbuster movies that are like shape what people think. Yeah. Uh, what movies are, they have instead choices from Hulu and, and Criterion Channel. Um, and their perspectives hopefully will be broader after this yeah. stay yeah, I mean, you can seek out whatever you want. If you just want to spend your whole time in quarantine watching Disney Plus, that's fine too. <laughs> um, that I mean, that brings up an interesting point because uh, I've been seeing more, more and more Netflix and Amazon are becoming a little bit. They have more art house films, like Amazon has Slacker, Netflix has Beauty Mama Tempion. I was wondering if there's been more situations now where Criterion Channel is like 
not necessarily butting heads, but like having conversations with these big, uh, mm. these big uh, streaming companies um, about uh, these streaming rights and like who has the rights to like these films and if there's been situations like that. Yeah, I mean, it happens now and again. Uh, you know, if those platforms want to license a film exclusively, they certainly have the financial capability to do that. And then mm -hmm. that prevents us from showing that film. Um, that's okay. I'm I'm happy that Etimama Tembien is getting the exposure of being on, is it, did you say it was on Netflix? Netflix, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's great. Um, mm -hmm. I am always happy when there's, when there are good films on Netflix and Amazon because I want people to be able to encounter great cinema wherever they choose to do their streaming. Um, we have a huge library of films that we own the rights to. So we're very fortunate in that regard in that we have a lot of films that are exclusively ours to stream. So while you know we, we are licensing in lots of films from, from studios and smaller distributors, we also have kind of a, a pretty deep collection of titles that are always available to us. Um, and there's no kind of question over that. So that allows us to have a really rich offering at all times. So if there are a few films that we can't license because they're on other platforms or because they're not available to us for some other reason, then that's disappointing, but hopefully we can figure out a way to show those films in the future. And I'm just always happy that those films are available. That's, I think that's the most important thing. And really like, cool. uh, oh, Go ahead. Um, well, like Netflix and Hulu and all the rest of them, uh, has the Criterion channel ever thought about doing original content or like funding uh, low time or like small budgeted mm -hmm. films or shorts? Uh, we, so we do create original content. We, I mean, we create uh, our ongoing series. So Adventures in Movie Going, our ongoing series of conversations that we do with filmmakers, writers, musicians, artists, um, where we sort of talk to them about how they, how they first fell in love with cinema. Uh, and then they guest curate a selection of films for us. Uh, we also do an ongoing series called Meet the Filmmaker. So we commission filmmakers to go out and make films about other filmmakers. So we've done a series of portraits. Uh, one of them was the Thai filmmaker I mentioned, we also did one on Paul Schrader. We've done one on Charles Burnett, uh, one on Athena Rachel Sangari, the Greek filmmaker. So those are all original commissions that the Criterion channel kicks into gear. Uh, we do our series, I think you mentioned observations on film art. So we create mm -hmm. all of those. Um, we have a series called Art House America where we create many documentary portraits of different art house theaters around the country. So we do do a fair amount of original production and then we do some one-off pieces as well. Um, funding feature films, probably not at this point. Um, I think that there is scope for the occasional short film project. We actually have a couple of things like that in the works as well. Um, so yeah, not, you know, we're not going out and making eight part miniseries or <laughs> anything quite like what Netflix is doing in that regard right now. I don't see that happening in the near future, but we do do quite a bit of original content. Um, yeah, we'll talk about some of those uh, in a little bit. Uh, I want to go back to what you're talking about, um, the working with some of the independent uh, distributors. Mm -hmm. um, and I was wondering if you could go over some of those. Uh, I know one in particular I'm really interested about is the Scorsese World Cinema Project. Uh, what's it like uh, working with these uh, words, Scorsese and his, in his uh, World Cinema Project and some of these other ones? 
Yeah, I, I, I can't really speak directly to working with Scorsese because that's a relationship that was really kicked into gear long before I started programming the channel. And um, so we have those great films, um, which we, so, so it's more of a, less of a distributor and more of a, um, a nonprofit, which is devoted to restoring and preserving films. Um, and we then have an arrangement with them whereby we distribute those films on disc and and on streaming, which is amazing. Those films are absolutely fantastic. I've discovered so many amazing films through the World Cinema Project that are just, it's, it's so fantastic to be able to introduce those films to people. Um, in terms of distributors, we work with most of the, the independent film distributors. So Kino Lorber, Film Movement, Oscilloscope, uh, Milestone, who am I forgetting, Cohen Media. Uh, we have great relationships with all of those distributors and we also work with most of the major Hollywood studios as well. So we're really bringing in a lot of films from outside of the collection monthly, as well as the Janus films that are in our permanent library. Um, you have a question, sir? Uh, uh, well, I was just uh, thinking when it comes to, whenever you see a Criterion movie, you always see the Janus movie. Uh, like, how did that kind of, is I'm just kind of wondering about that partnership that early partnership. there it's the it's this it's sister companies so they're the same company um janice is our is our library and is our also our theatrical brand so whenever you see a film one of our films play in a theater it will always be under the janice banner and then criterion was the name that was um arrived at for the physical media line which then was carried over to the channel as well Okay, that's. Uh... One, I'm wondering about the. Well, first off, about the um, uh, the World Cinema Project. One of the films that I saw through uh, the Criterion Channel, the House Housemaid, I think, the, the mm -hmm. South Korean film that blew me away. Um, yeah, it's great. That was one we've of got the... a we've got a pretty great video right now. With I don't know if you watched this, but Bong Joon Ho does a great appreciation of it as well. I did. Yeah. No. As soon yeah. as I watched, I saw he did one. I think there was somebody else who did one. Maybe I'm thinking I saw it someplace else. But um, no, that was one particularly from the World uh, Cinema Project that I loved. Um, about the, uh, I was wondering if you can go through exactly like how do you come like what. Well, I guess you did kind of already talk about this, but maybe going over it uh, specifically about how you come to the films exactly that you, because you have the, the Janus films, you have some films that you pull from the Criterion Collection, and you're working with some of the independent uh, distributors. How do you come to the, to the films that you have on the Criterion channel? Um, so I think it's sort of, we do it kind of month by month. Um, you know, we're usually scheduling out a few months in advance. Um, and we'll look at a month. So for example, if I'm looking at July or August right now, it's really going through and just finding a balance. So making sure that there is something for people who love classic Hollywood, that there is something that really shows the strengths of the Janus Library, um, that there is representation of documentaries, that there's representation of women filmmakers, that there's representation of filmmakers of color, um, that there's even just something as simple as thinking, is there something I would be really excited about this month? Is there something that's just really fun and that people are going to, especially in this moment, something kind of lighthearted? And, you know, we, we because a lot of the films 
on the channel are quite heavy, we always try to make sure that we also provide some experiences that are light and fun. So for example, recently our series of scores by Quincy Jones was just something that really, and the 70s style icons, things that just feel a little bit more effervescent and fun. Um, so it's really, it's really just thinking about that balance and making sure that each month feels like a really varied, broad experience and that there's really something for everyone. Uh, where, do you, uh, where do you usually, maybe like you personally, where do you find these, these movies that spar you to be like, that should be in July's, uh, like, <laughs> where do you find it the most? Like through a film festival or through word of mouth or maybe on a, a napkin you find somewhere like it's just, <laughs> random well that's really funny because my boss actually the last time i zoomed with him he was showing me a list of movies that he'd written on a paper towel oh. um, <laughs> in in red marker so it looked a little creepy but um uh no we i, I would say we usually start with the themes actually mm. um so we'll say you know we want to show a series of movies with scores by quincy jones or we want to show a series of noirs that, you know, what Western noir is a series that we're working on where it's, um, it's, it's films that are, are both Westerns but have sort of a, a film noir sensibility to them as well. So for, I think the themes usually come first and then we sort of weave the films into the themes. Um, but we also, if there's a really great film that we see, certainly we see film, lots of films at festivals, we see films theatrically, people send us links all the time. Um, then we can find ways to show those films as well. We, we do weekly, you probably saw, we do weekly double features. We do weekly short and feature pairings. So these, these sort of small contained pieces of programming where those enable us to show just one or two films that we're really excited about as well. And that, that brings me to another interesting point because I think it's very important to note how Criterion Channel is one of the few streaming companies that is human curated. Uh, <laughs> a lot of things are, uh, I mean, there's some kind of algorithm like Netflix and things like that. So I am I'm curious about how how would you prepare uh, like your shorts and features and double features? What like what is the process? And like one of them, uh, the neighbors and um, Doctor Strangelove, which is such an interesting pair. Um, and I feel like it requires a very specific uh, brain set. So I was wondering uh, what that process is like for you. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I So I programmed shorts for years. So I have a lot of shorts just sort of swirling around in my head all the time. And so I often just think of a short that I really loved and I'll start with the short and then I'll, I'll think about a feature to pair it with. In the case of Neighbors, I did, I've known and loved that short for a really long time. Um, and I think that we, we licensed that with a number of other of the great films from the National Film Board of Canada, um, another distributor that we work with. Um, and I think then I just thought, you know, this sort of anti-war message, but conveyed in a really playful, sort of ironic way. What's a film, what's a feature that does that? You know, Strange Love is kind of one of the first on the list. So yeah. I think it's just as simple as that really, but it's not always that simple. And sometimes the connections aren't quite as literal as that. Um, sometimes mm -hmm. it's more just a mood or a tone that makes the films work together. Um, but that's one of my favorite things. I love coming up with those pairings. And I think it's, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I've gotten from the Criterion channel is, is watching more shorts than I have. 
um, and really appreciating some of these shorts. Because mm -hmm. uh, another one that I saw through your, um, what was it called? City, the city. Uh, city scapes. Cityscape, yeah, the Cityscape collection. Um, oh, great. The and there was, days. Yeah, and those were so, like, all of them. I was just going through all of them. And it, I feel like the, the Criterion Channel has made me appreciate not even shorts, like, the just the genre of shorts, but just shorts from the past and how it's both artistic, but also, like, a, a capture of history as well. I think, I think it's so fascinating. Completely. Um, That's so lovely to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have a question, Zach? We're running out of Oh, you bet minutes. you, you bet you I do. Um, well, I was, I was going to say um, the stuff that I like to watch the short wise is the adventures in, in movie going and the observation in filmmaking. Um, and it kind of, you know, it, it helps broaden the, the observation of film and art. Um, Observations on film art. Yeah. I, I love watching these things because you know, before you go to college and really study this stuff, you watch a film and it's like, oh, that was that was fun. But seeing the behind the scenes and why things work, it, it just opens your mind. Like the weird examples like Steve Jobs after he took LSD, he's like, I was never the same again. It's like I can see the world differently now. So I'm just wondering, like the uh, if you could talk kind of the importance of uh, of of watch like the importance of watching a film through those gazes. Yeah, of like having an analysis, uh, either watching before or after. Yeah, I'm, I think so observations on film art, and I really want to tell them that you compared it to Steve Jobs taking LSD. Um, well, it's, <laughs> it's a great um, series of uh, episodes, kind of 15 minute-ish episodes of what we call film school in 15 minutes, really, is kind of most concise way to describe it. And it's David Bordwell, Kristen Thompson, and Jeff Smith, who are brilliant film professors from the University of Madison, Wisconsin. Um, and the authors of Film Art, which is a film textbook, which I think was a first edition was published in the late 70s, early 80s. And it's one of the most widely used textbooks for film students. Um, and they really break films down primarily from the point of view of aesthetics and technique. Um, and they do it so well. They, it's really sophisticated, but it's also really clear and I think really easy to follow. Um, and I certainly, I came more from the background of, I grew up watching movies and I always loved movies, but I thought about them more in terms of the stories and the content and even the script. Um, before I really learned how to think about films in terms of visual choices and film language. Um, and I'm still really, I feel like, always learning how to do that. And the observations on film art, I love them. I learn, some, I learn so much every time I watch a new episode. And, you know, one in particular from pretty early on, I think, was the one on uh, Jean Renoir's Rules of the Game. Um, and it was a film, it's a lauded classic, but it was a film I just didn't really get the first time I watched it. Um, and I think I just didn't really understand how sophisticated the filmmakers' choices were until I watched this episode, which was all about the use of deep focus 
photography in the film and the way that the all of the action in the film is so carefully choreographed and it really kind of opened my eyes and I went back and rewatched the film and appreciated it so much more the second time. And I think that would be the case with any of the films that they've covered. They really just open your eyes to so many of the interesting choices that the filmmaker is making um, and the way that that connects to the type of story that they want to tell and their themes um, and they just do it in such a brilliant way. Yeah, one of the ones that I uh, that really helped me understanding the film is after watching uh, Chunking Express, the Wong Kar Wai film. I was confused. I'll admit, I was kind of confused after it. And watching the um, the observation on the the observation of cinema um, really helped, and it I, it really helped me appreciate the film after. So That's I recommend so nice anyone listening hear. that you should definitely watch those. Uh, would, it, would you recommend watching those before you watch the film or after you watch the film? That's a good question. Um, I almost feel like, unfortunately, it's like watch the film, then watch the episode, then watch the film again, which I realize mm. is quite a big time commitment. <laughs> um, I, I've gotten to the point where I don't really mind, because um, I just watch so much, I don't really mind spoilers and things like that. Um, but if you do, then I think sometimes you probably would want to watch the film before you watch the observation. Yeah. And uh, the one, hopefully we have time for at least one more after this, but I have a, something that I'm always, I hold dear to my heart uh, is preserving films in their, uh, the form that they were previewed in. Um, I mean, you see with, uh, not to call any names, but some streaming companies are not the most consistent with keeping the same aspect ratio um, mm. or just some other things have been changed. Um, so I was wondering, what what does Criterion Channel do to ensure that they're showing the, the correct unmodified version? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that Criterion is known for taking extremely seriously. So it's certainly important that that is also the case on the channel. Uh, we have a great quality control team who spend a lot of time making sure that that is all rigorously adhered to. Um, and of course, the a lot of the films have been restored um, by us. Often we do the director approved editions. So sometimes the director has even overseen the restoration of their film if they're a living director. Um, so yeah, it's really just rigorous quality control. Of course, sometimes things are coming in from other studios and, you know, of course, you know, occasionally we will actually have customers write to us and say, there was an issue with this film, there was a technical issue or there was a, or even this is a different version than I expected because sometimes things like that happen as well where a film exists mm -hmm. in, in multiple cuts. Um, and in some cases, unfortunately, there's only one existing version that we were able to get. So it's really if the choice is between showing the film at all or showing this version that some people consider to be inferior, we will probably show that version. Mm -hmm. But we do, we do you know, our utmost to make sure that everything is quality controlled and checked and our, our extremely vigilant customers do a great <laughs> job of helping us with that as well. That's I, actually, I actually, oh, I, well, I experienced something like that with the, the 40 Guns uh, movie. I watched it on a non-criterion oh. you know, format and it was all, you know, it's, it's a four, it's a four by three, it's a, it's a square yeah. format, but it, it was all expanded. It was horrible. I had to turn it off and I made like a eh noise out loud. I heard it. As I turned out, then I watched it through Criterion. I do uh, love that movie, I have to say. Uh, I'm sorry. sorry you had a bad experience with it. <laughs> well, <laughs> Not with you guys. It, with no, yeah. I, I, got a back, I got the love back through uh, Criterion. 
That's great to hear. Great. Do you have uh, any other questions, Zach? I got well, one. I, I'm interested. At what What do you uh, currently have on your uh, Criterion channel list? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I'm I'm loving. We've got a lot of great classic Hollywood stuff up right now. I'm really loving working my way through the Gene Arthur collection. Um, I'm loving the PLA stuff. So the Maurice PLA films, some of them I've seen, I'd seen most of them, but I'm revisiting some of them and a couple I hadn't seen before. Um, Next month, I'm really excited about this Tell Me collection that I mentioned because a lot of those films I haven't seen because that was curated by someone else. So I'm really excited for that. I'm excited for the Saul Bass uh, opening mm-hmm. credit series mm-hmm. that we have coming up in May as well. So yeah, we have a really strong month for May. So unfortunately, it's looking like we will continue to be spending a lot of time inside. So yeah. at least hopefully we have some great film options for people. No, right. Speaking on the uh, Saul Bass, uh, did I see correctly on the newsletter that uh, f- uh, phase four is going to be in there? Phase four is going to be there. Yes. Okay. So that's very exciting. I'm also, oh, go ahead. A long time ago. I, that was recommended to me a long time ago and never watched it. So now. Now's your chance. I'm also very happy you added uh, This Is Not a Film because I had been looking for that film. Some, it was on Canopy for a while. And then for some reason, the New York library stopped using Canopy. Like my card stopped yeah. working. So I was like, and I was like planning on watching it. And then I just saw that wasn't available anymore so i was like it's been so long so that's also that's on my list um great but yeah and also a, a good uh quarantine movie <laughs> oh yeah, yeah exactly that that is um, true. um yeah so we have just a minute left um i guess the last question is well you kind of already said it about the future like what what's the the future of what's what's some other things going on in the criterion channel world that uh, maybe you didn't touch upon I mean, I hope that we can just continue to bring more and more great films to the channel. Um, Hopefully more exciting contemporary films, streaming premieres, um, more original content. We, We really love what we're doing. We love how people are responding to it and we just want to make it even even bigger and better and hopefully continue to get all the great feedback and engagement that we've been getting. Yeah, well, we as the viewers, thank you uh, for the Criterion channel. Um, well, uh, in the wise words of uh, James Cagney, uh, my father thanks you, my mother thanks you, my brother thanks you, and I thank you for all the uh, good work from the Criterion channel. Yeah. Thank you, guys. This was really thank fun. You. I'm going to take a, a photo real quick. Cool. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'm going to look uh, up some of these movies. These, these are, this is really interesting, yeah. especially the war stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Check that out. I'm, I love that kind of stuff. Oh, that was, that was such a great interview, Sam. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, the things we talked about, the things we laughed about, I got to tell you, I'm going to go home and I'm going to, uh, well, I'm here. I'm going to look up some of those things. And you folks at home should, too. Yeah, um, thanks again, Penelope, if you're listening um, for that yeah, amazing interview. Thanks for listening to the interview, Penelope. Um, she, uh, was, she was really great. for. Uh, it was very easy to have her on, and she was really um, – her and the Criterion Channel team were really great. Um, yeah. So we I, really This really isn't a video that. thing, but I, like, I, salute, I salute the Criterion Channel. I can concur that he's doing it. 
Um, so I think we should, I guess, end with some of our patented recommendations because I personally have been watching and listening to a lot of new things in media. And some there is one type of media that we really don't talk a lot about. Podcasts. Uh, no, not podcasts. We talk a lot about podcasts, but I'm talking about music. We don't talk a lot about new music. And there's a oh, new yeah. album that came out. Oh, Fiona Apple. Yeah, Fiona Apple's new album. I cannot stop listening to. The new album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, is really great. And personally, I didn't know who Fiona Apple was before this album came out. Because all of a sudden, I saw an article on IndieWire saying that she hated dating P.T. Anderson. And I was like, huh. And that she, like, like, the title was something about, like, she went on, she stopped doing coke after going on a coke binge with P.T. Anderson and Tarantino at Tarantino's house or something. And I was just like, intrigued. What? Wait, when, when, what article was this? It's on IndieWire. You can look it up. I'm looking at um, it. But it was just kind of her just talking about her relationship with P.T. Anderson. And I think they're fine now because I saw in a previous interview that um, later she wanted to have him shoot um, some, uh, like, footage for her concerts or something uh in cinemascope with pt anderson but then he had to go shoot the master which was way after they started dating so i think or they broke up so i think they're back on good terms but um but she's i mean the album is so different from than anything i've heard i don't even want to put titles to this because i i don't i'm not really great at labeling music but it's it's yeah. it's chaotic but it's it's still, I mean, still very much controlled, controlled chaos, but it's, I don't know, it's really uh, fascinating. Here's the thing. Do you think somebody, it's bad if you, like, would you be mad at somebody if you had to quit cocaine after hanging out with somebody? Like, ah, oh, man, I was so into cocaine. But unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, Timothy Chalamet and uh, Kristen Stewart ruined it for me. I'm just throwing out names. I would hate that so much. Um, um, but, I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't hate anyone for getting me off of any. I feel like I would thank them if someone got me off of a drug. That's what I'm saying. So in a way, it's like thank you, Paul Thomas Anderson and Tarantino for probably being crazy. I, imagine yeah. that conversation. It was probably like at five times the speed of normal human talking, but just well, movie. From reference. the article, it sounded like they were being just very egotistical the whole time. Like saying how much they've done, uh, <laughs> and I mean they have done a lot. Like in the '90s, they were kind of the um, the '90s the, boys, the the '90s, the biggest '90s cinematic. You had one, directors, yeah. Um, yeah, so could, or at least could... the late '90s. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess they had something to talk about, but just to, I mean, Tarantino alone, just being on coke, I would fucking like. Well, I've read somewhere that apparently he's chiller. On Coke? Yeah. Well, that's what Brad Pitt said. He said, uh, like, you know, like uh, he phrased it correctly, making it assume he hasn't done it. But he said, like, Qu- Quentin Tarantino, if he did, if he was on cocaine, he would be uh, chiller because he's already like a fast talking maniac. Mm, I don't know about that. Okay, you know what? I'll do cocaine with uh, Quentin and Quentin Tarantino, and I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Anyways, do you have any recommendations? Um. 
I recently watched the movie, uh, this uh, mini series called Waco, uh, about the Waco uh, raid um, in the 90s. And I thought it was really good. It's got Michael Shannon, um, Sean Wigman, uh, who's been in a lot of stuff. It's, uh, it's got, a, 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 I think, a fantastic cast. Uh, and it is disturbing as all get out. Like, I didn't, the thing is, is they, they do it from kind of the point of view of the cult members, less so than the, uh, the government. Um, and it's very, I, I thought it was great. I mean, it's very sad, but it's a, it's six episodes and I just binged it. Mm. So I highly suggest that. I suggest that, um, I suggest my song recommendation. That I oh well, I've already said Beetlejuice, but I'm getting into um, other musicals. Zach has finally discovered musicals. Well, I'm like, here's the thing: I've always been in love with musicals, but I've never been one of those like crazy fanatics who are like Broadway, you know. But I, I think That's... after this quarantine, I will definitely get uh, into Broadway. What's funny is walking around Broadway, like walking around the theaters, you just see people coming out of Broadway theaters just singing exactly like that. Well, and like a... sometimes I wait for them. They go into it and they're just like, I'm going to go back to playing Dungeons and Dragons after this. Whoa. And That's then they I'm come doing. out and they're just like, they take in one deep breath and they, they, they sing that. I've, I, I don't... I've never done that because I've 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 always keep my eyes closed when I go into Broadway just so that doesn't happen. Um, one last thing I want to plug and something I've been listening to constantly is this podcast called um, well actually two things. One is the new uh, Middle Distance Schwartz thing that's on Netflix. Oh yeah. Have you watched that? I haven't. It's really funny. It's really funny. So listen to that or watch that. Um, two is this podcast called Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Um, and if you like history, spe- specifically like World War I, it is a really fascinating podcast. And he, it is very in-depth, and he does a really great job at like really emphasizing things that are not normally emphasized about war and like the human toll it took, like how, how, how horrible it truly was and... Some of like, but still going into behind the scenes and what some of the generals were thinking. What I don't know. It, it's it, it oh. has really opened up my mind to. Oh, I'll have to uh, check that World out. World War One. All right, so I'll go my real uh, my uh, three real quick. So uh, Waco, Beetlejuice the musical, and I just started watching this uh, short kind of uh, cartoon on. Um, well, it's stop animation on uh, Adult Swim. It's called The Shivering Truth. It is really weird and kind of messed up and it's a little bit horror, but it's like comedy, but it's made by the same guy who did um, Xavier, the Avenger, uh, the, the, the fallen angel, but he also did uh, uh, wonder Sojin, uh, chosen. He's, he's done a lot of weird. Oh no, that's what it was. Uh, 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 Xavier renegade angel. Like it's it's these like cartoons that are trying like pretending to be smart, like the truth is actually a barrel of apples that a blind man, if ate it, would know the knowledge of the core of the apples. But what if apples are on sale? Like 
like it's it's really really strange but i suggest the shivering truth there's only six, right. seven episodes of that shivering truth okay well uh that's our episode um thank you tune in next week i don't know what we're doing next week i it's so uh, focused we'll on think this interview. On something we'll figure something out but um yeah tune in next week for the beginning or to keep going on for the next hundred episodes we'll make it to 200 uh but yeah uh stay safe everyone remember donate if you can Stay clean. Um, Wash your hands for two times, even if you're in your own house. It never hurts. Two times? Yeah, two times through happy birthday. Oh, okay, fine. Or you just do 30 seconds. That's what I do. Oh, um, now, that's not fun. One, two, three. Well, you make this, a song out of it. One, one two, two, three, three no. four, five, six, See, seven. Everybody, you know. Here's the thing. Everybody loves their birthday. So if you're like, happy birthday to me, it feels like All your right, birthday anyways. every day. Bye, everyone. Bye, Steve. God. Be clean, Spider-Man. <laughs> I told you I didn't want to go to this dinner. You know I don't go for those ones that you bother about. So when they say something that makes me start to simmer, that fancy wine won't put this fire out. Oh, kick me under the table all you want. I won't shut up. I won't shut up. Kick me under the table all you want. I won't shut up, I won't shut up I'd like to buy you a pair of pillows, old hiking boots To help you with your climb Or rather to help the bodies that you step over along your route So they won't hurt like mine Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Table all you want. I won't shut up. I won't shut up. And if I don't wanna go, leave me alone. Don't push me. Cookie, don't push me. Don't you push me. If you get me to go and I open my mouth to the fucking mutton that they're talking about, you could pout, but don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you shush me. Get me under the table all you want. I won't shut up. I won't shut up. Kick me under the table all you want. I won't shut up. I won't shut up. Kick me under the table all you want. I won't shut up. I won't shut up. Kick me under the table all you want. I won't shut up. I won't shut up. And if I don't wanna go, leave me alone. Don't push me. Cookie, don't push me. Don't you push me. If you get me to go when I open my mouth to the fucking mutton that they're talking about, you can pal, but don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you, don't you shush me. I'm on bed today.